from the Heidelberg Catechism. Let's now read together Lord's Day 24. But why can our good works not be our righteousness before God, or at least a part of it? Because the righteousness which can stand before God's judgment must be absolutely perfect and in complete agreement with the law of God. Whereas even our best works in this life are all imperfect and defiled with sin. But do our good works earn nothing, even though God has promised to reward them in this life and in the next? This reward is not earned. It is a gift of grace. Does this teaching not make people careless and wicked? No, it is impossible that those grafted into Christ by true faith should not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's one topic that often confuses Christians. It is the role that good works play in our salvation. Sometimes I hear people talk about how you must do this and you must do that. Sometimes ministers even preach in that kind of way. And the things that they suggest are often good things. But I wonder about why they use that word must. Why must we attend the worship services or read and study the Bible or pray? Why must we keep God's commandments? Must we do these things in order to fit the profile of a good Christian? Must we do them in order to be saved? Is our justification dependent on the works that we do? Does God save us because we're such good Christians? We know that isn't true. We all confess that our salvation is by grace alone. Jesus Christ has paid the price to redeem us from our sins by offering his body and blood on the cross. His righteousness and His holiness are ours by faith alone. Our good works do not earn, don't even contribute towards our justification. Here's where a lot of Christians run stuck. They think that if good works are not necessary for salvation, then they're not necessary at all. People say, Christ has fulfilled the law for me, therefore I'm no longer subject to the commandments. People think that good works are no longer necessary in the life of a Christian. And we should not confuse the reason for good works with the need for them. God still requires us to do good works, to keep his commands, not to merit salvation, but as fruit of salvation. By our good works, we are to show forth our thankfulness to God for his grace in Jesus Christ. So I preach to you God's word under the following theme. Good works have an important place in our salvation. We'll see that we're not saved because of our good works, but that we are saved for good works.
For us to have a good understanding of our Lord's Day, it's important to remember the time in which the Catechism was written. It was written in the time of the Great Reformation. One of the intents of the Confessions was to instruct church members about the truths of God's Word. Another was to give a public testimony of the faith to the government and to the world. A third was to summarize the faith in order to defend the church against heresy. In many ways, the Hutterberg Catechism was written as a defense against especially the false doctrines and practices of the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Church has a particular view on the place of good works and our salvation. It does not deny that we are saved by faith, but it opposes the teaching that salvation is by faith alone. Rome teaches that it's through faith and good works that we are saved. In the Roman Church, good works are a necessary part of salvation. Rome teaches that we can and we must contribute to our salvation through our good works. This teaching finds expression in the Roman Catholic Church's sacrament of penance. For Catholics, when you have sinned, it's necessary to go to the priest and to confess your sins. The priest will hear the confession of sins and pray with and for the sinner. Yet, before forgiveness is granted, the priest will assign certain works the sinner needs to do in order to receive absolution or pardon. And so Rome teaches that after confession, some temporal punishment due to sin remains. It can only be taken away by doing works of penance. The Roman Church suggests the following forms of penance. Prayer, fasting, the giving of alms, works of mercy, and the patient suffering of the ills of life. The Roman Church thus demands works of penance before it grants forgiveness suggests that the sacrifice of Christ is not sufficient to fully atone for sin. It must be supplemented by doing good works. Beloved, I want you to understand that this was not just Rome's position in the time of the Reformation. It's still the Roman Catholic Church's official, it's still the Roman Catholic Church's official position today. In October of 1999, Catholics and Lutherans got together they signed a joint declaration on the doctrine of justification. It maintains that justification is by God's grace through faith in Christ. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? But please note that it is not by faith alone. The unspoken element of this joint declaration is that man must contribute to his own salvation through his good works. As Reformed believers, we have a lot of problems with this doctrine of penance. Penance is an outward act. What God desires from those who confess their sins is a repentant heart. Repeating the Lord's Prayer so many times, or taking out a rosary and saying a whole bunch of Hail Marys, or giving alms, doesn't cover our sins. There's nothing a sinner can do to satisfy God's wrath against sin. It's only Christ's blood and spirit that wash away our sins. Rome's error is like that of heathen religions, 
seeking to win forgiveness from sin by self-inflicted or priest-imposed punishments. God does not want to punish us for our sins. He desires a change of heart. A real forsaking of sin, as shown by a new life of obedience to his commandments. Our catechism deals with the reasons why our good works cannot even be a part of our righteousness before God. There's a specific reason why our good works cannot earn our salvation or even contribute towards it. It's simply that they're not good enough. Our catechism teaches that the righteousness which can stand before God's judgment must be absolutely perfect and in complete agreement with the law of God, whereas even our best works are imperfect and are defiled with sin. The point, beloved, is that we've got nothing to contribute towards our own salvation. In Romans 3, Paul speaks about how there is no one righteous. There is no one who does good, not even one. Paul comes back to this at the end of Romans 3. In verse 23, he says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In verse 28, he brings his argument to a close, saying, For behold, that one is justified by faith, apart from the works of the law. Paul speaks about this further at the end of Romans 9. He compares God's people Israel with the Gentiles. Paul says that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. In God's eyes, the Gentiles are justified by faith. They are right with God because they sought their salvation in the blood of Christ. But not the Jews. Paul says they have not attained righteousness. Paul goes on to explain why not. He says in Romans 9 verses 32 and 33. Why? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Jesus Christ is the stumbling block to the Jews because they seek their salvation in the works of the law. Paul expands on this in the first verses of Romans 10. He talks about how the Jews have a zeal for God, but how their zeal is misplaced. They sought to establish their own righteousness by law instead of by faith. And yet Paul stresses that no man is justified by works of the law, but only by faith in Jesus Christ. Paul writes that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul concludes that it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. See, beloved, we're not saved because of our good works. Paul emphasizes this in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. He says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast. 
Good works are not the basis of our salvation. The idea that we must do good works in order to be saved is false. Now, at the time of the Reformation, the Roman Church came with objections to this. They pointed out various texts in the Bible where God promises to reward our good works. And the Bible does speak in this way. In Matthew 5, verse 12, Jesus tells those who are persecuted to rejoice and be glad, for great will be their reward in heaven. In Matthew 19, 29, Jesus said, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Hebrews 11, verse 6 speaks about how God rewards those who seek him. And in Revelation 14, verse 13, the Apostle John heard a voice from heaven. It told him to write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds will follow them. So it is clear that the Bible speaks about God rewarding the good things that we do in this life. But the fact that God rewards something is different from the fact that our works merit something. Let me give you an example. When you go to work, your labor merits payment. At the end of the week, your boss is required to pay you according to set conditions. You get paid for the hours that you worked. Yet at the end of the year, your boss may want to reward you for all your hard work. He may decide to grant you a bonus. This is not a payment for work done. It's an extra that you receive because your boss is happy with you. Well, the same applies in our relationship with God. Jesus taught this in our reading from Luke 17. He used the example of a servant in ancient Israel. If he was busy plowing or keeping sheep during the day, his master doesn't cook a meal for him in order to thank him. That was the servant's job. He was expected to cook dinner and to serve his master before he sat down to eat. Jesus went on to make the point that the master wouldn't thank his servant for doing his job. He was just doing what he was commanded. And then he applies this to us and our relationship with God. Jesus said, so you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Jesus' point is that even if we were able to do good works, they don't merit anything. Because we were created to serve God in that way. God doesn't owe us any blessings. Our works don't earn us anything. We cannot come to God with the attitude that we deserve blessings from Him because of what we have done. Everything we receive from the hand of God is a gift of grace. Our catechism speaks about a reward that God promises on our good works makes clear that even this reward is a gift of grace. God's grace is all-sufficient. God gives us everything we need in the personal situations of each of our lives. 
If we're loaded down with heavy burdens, God's grace is sufficient to help us carry them. If we're faced with adversity in our lives, God and his grace will give us what we need to persevere. Consider all what God and his grace grants us. He causes our debts to be paid in full through the blood of his dearly loved son. God gives the Holy Spirit to work faith in our hearts so we may share in Christ and his benefits. Through Christ we receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And yet, beloved, God's blessings do not end there. Every blessing, whether material or spiritual, comes from out of God's grace. We are sanctified by grace. We are motivated to obedience by grace. We are called to serve and enabled to serve by grace. We receive strength to endure trials by grace. We are glorified by grace. The entire Christian life is lived under the realm of God's grace. So we see that God's grace is all sufficient in our lives. What a great comfort. Knowing our salvation does not depend on our merit, but only on God's grace. This brings us to our second point. Having seen that we're not saved because of good works, we'll consider how we are saved for good works. Our catechism comes up with one final objection to the idea that our good works merit nothing towards salvation. It asks, but does not this teaching make people careless and wicked? The basic objection here is that if good works are not necessary for salvation, then Christians won't do them. It's that the doctrine of justification by grace alone will make for slack Christians. In the Roman Catholic Church, it is the fear of hell that keeps members in line. Members of the Roman Church can never be sure that they will make it to heaven. They're always standing on the scales, wondering if they've done enough good works to make up for their sins. When Pope Benedict XV died in 1922, it was reported that he died in fear and agony, not knowing what the future held in store for him. And when Pope Pius XII died in 1958, it was reported that he too died in fear and insecurity. It's interesting to note that Pope John Paul II decreed that no record be made of the final hours of his life. These men, who supposedly held the keys of the kingdom of God in their hands, could not even use them to secure their own entrance into eternal life. See, beloved, the doctrine of salvation by faith and works puts man on a treadmill of having to do good works. And if we had to depend on ourselves for our salvation, we would never be sure that we had done enough. Thanks be to God for his grace in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our Lord has died as the only atoning sacrifice for our sins. Through him, we have complete forgiveness for all our sins, given us as a free gift. We don't have to do good works in order to be saved. 
We do good works because we have been saved. Good works are not the basis for our salvation, but they are the goal of our salvation. The Apostle Paul makes his distinction clear in, Romans, in Ephesians 2, 8-10. Paul says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Note how Paul says that we've been saved not as a result of good works, but for good works. Salvation is not the result of good works, but good works are the fruit of salvation. I'd like you to pay particular attention to what Paul says in verse 10 of Ephesians 2. He says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, beloved, our good works are not really our works. They're worked in us by God through the power and might of His Holy Spirit. Ultimately, God's grace and Spirit are the source of any good we are unable to do. Yet it's precisely because God has saved us by His grace and because He's at work in us by His Spirit that He expects us to do good works. The doctrine of justification by grace alone does not make us into slack Christians. Those who truly understand what Christ has done for them will want to do everything for Him as their Lord and Master. As the Catechism puts it, it is impossible that those grafted into Christ by true faith should not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. What are these fruits of thankfulness? The Lord Jesus spoke about that with his disciples in John 15. When speaking about the vine and the branches, Jesus says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. How do we do that? Well, Jesus calls us to abide in his love. How? By keeping his commandments. Christ says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. The fruit Jesus brings forth in us is that we love God with all our hearts and our neighbor as ourselves. Some people have this idea that since Christ has fulfilled the law of God for us, we no longer need to keep the Ten Commandments. It's true, we don't have to keep them in order to merit salvation. Yet the Ten Commandments are still applicable to our lives. In Matthew 5, verses 17 to 20, when Jesus speaks about fulfilling the law, he specifically states that not even the smallest letter nor the stroke of a pen will pass from the law until he returns. In the Sermon on the Mount, Christ then goes on to show how the law applies far beyond the outward keeping of a list of rules. It applies even to the thoughts and the intents of our heart. In John 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
In John 15, 10, he said, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. John 15, 14, he said, You are my friends if you do what I command you. In 1 John 2, verses 3 and 4, John writes, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. In 1 John 5, verse 3, he says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. So, beloved, let us consider our motivation for doing what we do. Do you come to church because you feel like you have to? Or because it's your desire to worship and adore God, who in His grace has saved you? Are you going to partake in communal Bible study out of a sense of duty? Or because you find it a joy and delight to meditate on the Word of God with brothers and sisters in the communion of saints? Do you do good works in order to try and merit some favor with God? Or do you do them out of thankfulness for God's grace in your life? The Bible clearly teaches that good works play a very important role in the life of a Christian. Yet we shouldn't confuse the reason for doing good works with the need for them. Good works don't merit anything. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ. Yet through our good works, we demonstrate our thankfulness for God's gift of salvation. Let us show forth our thankfulness by living in accordance with the commands of God. This is the fruit Christ desires from all those whom he has redeemed by his blood. Amen. In response to the gospel message, we'll sing together from hymn 28, stanzas 2, 4, and 6. We'll do that standing. <laughs>